everybody. Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Katie Dawson. And I'm Nikki Urban. And our guest today is comedian Kadi Asad. You've seen her on shows like Put Your Hands Together and Good Heroin. And she's currently Hoo-Ha-Ha's community manager, a.k.a. mom. Hey, we're so glad to have you on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked. It's great to have you. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about your very interesting and very, I'm going to say like, pretty successful stand-up career oh my god thank you so much for saying that i'm gonna like call my family and be like guess what someone said about me (laughs) (laughs) well it's so interesting like what you just like what we have is like what we can what people consider like successful like you know, people who are in the industry would be like, yeah, you're very successful. Like, you're oh on God. all these shows. You're really funny. You have a great following on Twitter. People know your name. But, like, well, I guess what does success look like to you and your family? Um, I think my fa- my like my parents are like, we're so glad you're alive. You know what I mean? Like, they're <laughs> like, you're already you're crushing it every day you wake up. That's really good. You know, I feel like to my like aunts and uncles, they're like, wait, like one time I did a show in Arizona, it was packed. I like literally there was like an applause break during the performance. It was a great show. And then one of them found out I didn't get paid for it. And they were so unimpressed, like everything I had done, they were like, um, they went from being amazed, like, you're amazing, you're amazing, to, like, angry. They're like, what do you mean you didn't get paid for that? <laughs> and they were just, like, telling me everything I should do. I'm like, okay, so none of, so everyone needs to shut up. Like, thank you so much for your input. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess success to me means, like, bigger numbers, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think I'm unsuccessful. But uh, just I say I just feel like I'm very much like on my way still. So it feels nice to be like recognized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're I mean, I, I totally hear that. I my family is the same way about not getting paid. Like I did the CBS diversity showcase, which for me was like big. I was really excited about it. And then That's my huge. Yeah. My dad found I didn't get paid for it. And he was just like, so what are you doing? Basically, <laughs> like, what's it yeah. for then? Um, yeah. When did you do that? 2018. Oh, OK. So was that like ago. Peter Kim's? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw that. That was great. And Bill was no, Bill wasn't in it that year. No, he was in it the year before, I think. Yeah. 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 I yeah, I've I've seen the showcase like many years. I've been I've auditioned for it. But uh yeah, I've seen it a lot, and that's a huge honor. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I was a writer. I wasn't a performer, but yes. It, yeah, but yeah. I, and I was so excited about it, but telling my dad, he was just like, cool, so what does that pay? And I was like, well, nothing. And he <laughs> lost interest immediately. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like, they, if you don't know the industry, it's hard to explain. And also, like, you get, like, a normal person's view, which is, like, you're like, yeah, I guess the industry is pretty abusive now that you bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess for me, like when I look at your career, I'm just like that you applause breaks, like tour, like playing different cities. Like you've done some really cool shit. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. No, I I mean, I really loved it. And I'm I'm proud of everything that I've done. And I'm proud of um, especially. Yeah, I'm proud of what it has come to be so far and I think I was feeling a little tired by the time the quarantine happened because I I had done these shows and I was like so what's gonna happen now and I was just kind of like running around all over LA and then when everything shut down I was like honestly I'm tired (laughs) 
Uh, it's kind of nice to like lay down. And then after a while, I was like, wait a minute. It feels like this is a this is a change. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy with all of it. I think the festivals were I, I don't know. It's all, it's like so amazing and interesting. And uh, like because when you start comedy in L.A., I, I started in L.A. Did you guys start in L.A.? I started in the Bay Area and then moved to L.A. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I basically started in L.A. Like I was start, I was dipping my toes in like sketch comedy in Orlando, Florida. But then. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then came out here and was like, oh, yeah. That must be so interesting performing for Orlando audiences. Uh, they're very supportive. Like, it was, it was, that's so cool. We, we had like a write up in like Orlando Weekly with like a big old picture when we did a show. It was like a that's whole so thing. Cool. It was like, and then we came here and we're like, big fat nobodies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, Cody, are you from LA or did you move here? Um, so I actually, I was, I lived kind of all over the United States a little bit. I was born in North Carolina and then we moved to Minnesota for just like a hot minute. And then I spent a lot of time in Arizona from ages like five to 13 and then NorCal from like 13 to 19 and then, uh, and then Boston baby. And then, uh, and then back to North Carolina for a minute and then in LA. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when you say NorCal, were you like north of the Bay Area or like? Oh yeah, yeah. I was like so up in NorCal. the woods. Yeah, I was in Santa Rosa, like the places that are famous for burning down. Um, oh. That's where <laughs> I, I am from. Um, uh, it was beautiful. It still is, actually. A lot of it is is still there. Uh, sorry, I just talked to God real quick. He, we made a pact about it. Um, but uh, yeah, it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's still there and it was beautiful. It's, it was a great place to be a teenager because there's like so much forest. You can like go like smoke weed. Okay. In it, you know, like there's a lot of places like- to hide and do that and like be, just be like wild and crazy and like you're like young and free. You know that yeah. whole that whole sing and dance. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's cool. That's it's. It's interesting, like, when you're living in different, like, parts of the country at different points in your life, and it's, like, like everywhere's got their own sort of, like, energy, and, like, now you're taking that with you. Do you feel like that's helped shape your comedy is, like, having all of these different places at different times? I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think it also is a big reason why I got into comedy is because I just, uh, I know what it's like to feel left out to not be in the group like even places I lived for a while we entered them as the outsider like in Arizona or now NorCal where we spent most of our time um, as like a family we always felt like we're the new family you know so that need to like kind of want to connect I think made me be funny in conversation but also consume a lot of comedy like we we always as a family we were like let's watch something funny because we were always kind of feeling like not apart i think uh what kind of comedies did you guys watch together um well for instance robin williams um recording at the apollo that we listened to it in arizona quite a bit but then when we moved to norcal that was like on constant repeat like the the whole thing and sometimes even just like certain bits we just listened to 
I just remember I would, my mom would drive me to like middle school and I would have a mini panic attack every morning because I was like the new kid and I was like so nervous. It was hard for me to talk to people. And like we'd play Robin Williams, especially he had this bit about NASA, like measuring things like in Ron measurements. And he's like, these guys are fucking scientists, but they're acting like they're high all the time. <laughs> and uh, that would just make me laugh. And I'd laugh so hard I wouldn't be so nervous like on the way to school. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's really sweet. <laughs> and he was from the or he lived in the Bay Area for yeah. a long time. I can't, I forgot. I remember I was like looking it up. I was like, oh my goodness, we're the same, you know? I was like, <laughs> me and Robin are basically the same person. Yeah, because he's like from the Bay Area and also was, he describes his, himself as lonely growing up. Even though I had like a very fine family, I was like, I'm alone, you know, uh, as like an angsty teen. Were you an angsty teen? Oh, my God. Yeah, so much. I was in so much turmoil, like, and everyone would be like, you're fine. Like, everything is fine. I was like, no, you don't understand. Uh, Did you write poetry? I didn't write poetry. Unless you write, like, writing the word help on repeat in your journals poetry, (laughs) then yeah, I did do that. Um, (laughs) Then, yeah, it rhymed, technically. Uh, Um, I had, uh, the truth is, I, I have a lot of panic, like, I had, a, I think, I'm pretty sure I had a panic disorder, like, from that kind of developed, especially when we moved, and so that was mostly where my angst came from, is that I was just, like, always, like, in mid-panic attack, and I was like, <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, so... Yeah, especially, like, I did a lot of theater, and my anxiety would kind of, anything I was giving my attention to, my anxiety would just, like, swallow up. I remember I did a monologue, and I did it at a festival, and I had so much anxiety about it. And uh, I did the monologue at this festival, and I was, like, nominated to be there. Like, I should have known I was allowed to be there. That was probably doing a good job if my classmates voted for me to be there. But I did the monologue, and afterwards the judges were like, never do that again. Oh, my God! (laughs) I think they felt disturbed. They were like, your energy is, like, off the charts. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you remember what the monologue was from? I think it was, like, one of those monologues. Did you guys study theater in schools? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. 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 I totally have done like monologues at like a fest at a festival in right? high school. Just like this, I this feels yeah. familiar to me. This the, all this <laughs> this anxiety. Yeah, it was one of the. I cannot remember a single word from it. I remember it was very like self hating. It was very like I'm the monster or something like that. Because there was a part where I had to like be of course cry. That's all you're trying to do in high school theater is like cry on <laughs> command. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. I think what it was was it, it was kind of a popular monologue known from an unknown like it was like in a play but the play itself wasn't good I remember thinking that I was like this play is horrible but this monologue screams me baby you know (laughs) Um, yeah so I don't remember the monologue I remember my friend also had a similar experience we performed right after the other and they were like what is going on at your school that you two have come out this way Uh, we did not win any awards uh much to our dismay uh two other kids from our school did and they yeah they behaved way better um 
before and during and after their monologue. <laughs> so did you want to be a, did you want to go into theater or did you know that, when did you know that you wanted to do comedy? Um, uh, I, I was, yeah, I was like gonna, I thought I was gonna die in the theater, which is still, you know, maybe one day, but uh, that was a joke. Uh, but like, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I wanted to be like a theater person and like, like I, Fiona Shaw, I was like, I'm going to be like Fiona Shaw. Do you guys know her? Yeah. She was like in True Blood. She's like one of the witches in the fourth season. And she, but she's like really big in Europe for like, for theater. And she came here and she did a tour on Medea. I didn't even see that. I was just like, I'm going to be like her. Cause I was like, oh, she's in theater, <laughs> you know? And so I thought I was going to be in theater. I went to like Emerson and studied acting and theater and the reason I moved to LA was to be with a theater group out here, and they were they were new to LA. They were oh. more Chicago based, but they were like, "We're gonna come out here and be a theater." And I was like, "Oh, cool!" So I had it arranged that after this like theater stint I was doing North Carolina, I'd move to LA and work with them at this festival, and then work with them in LA. But it was uh, it was not it was like it was not good. Some would say uh, it was a it was not great. We didn't personalities they were just like really intense like they kept oh. describing their experience as an ensemble and then when I got to LA and started working with them I realized when they said ensemble they meant the two of them they meant like the ensemble will decide and by that they meant them will decide and like they it was just like it was it was like a, it felt like um when you hear about bad Hollywood assistant stories, it was like that, but not Hollywood. I was like, I'm not even in the industry. And why am I being treated this way? Like, that's why I liked theater. And so I ended up like quitting working with them. It was very dramatic. And like, there was at one point very public where we were like fighting with each other. So when you say publicly, you mean like within the theater community, like it was like known about? Yeah, it was at this, it was at this festival. They started confronting me. And first it was just us. And by the oh end of the confrontation, gosh. there was like literally like a crowd gathered watching us like <gasps> con- go back and forth. And so um, I remember driving home and being like, I have to leave L.A. I all the nobody will want to work with me after like this with them and all that stuff. And everyone I talked to was like, these people are obviously not good. Like you seem to really upset them for some reason, but these people are like, they're obviously not, they're in the wrong. I wasn't like perfect. I was like 23, but I feel like, so I didn't, I probably could have reacted better, but they also were very difficult to work with. But I ended up quitting that. And then I, I, it was almost like my body had this weird, I was realizing I wasn't being, I wasn't going to be able to do theater in LA. Like I, all the people, it felt like everyone knew about that experience in some way or another. Like the LA theater scene was there, saw that whole scene play out. And on top of that, I don't think I wanted to do theater in LA. It just has a weird different vibe out here. Yeah. And I kind of was in this like depression for a bit and I had to kind of just like learn to like survive just like make money it was like right after college so I was like uh, I just like got a job at kitchen 24 and figured out how to like just pay bills and live and then after a while I was like I should start I should start being creative again like I should get back to it and I went to a show at UCB like my friends were like come out like people were like trying to help me feel better they're like come out and I went and saw like um ASCAT at UCB 
and I saw Matt Walsh on stage and they were like they were like kind of like picking on audience members and being silly but they also were like just kind of like speaking their truth Mm-hmm. And people were responding to that. And, like, it was funny, but also it felt universal and it felt together and community in a lot of the ways theater used to feel to me. And I was like, oh, in L.A., comedy is theater. Like, this is where people come to, like, hear thoughts and hear ideas and stuff like that. And so I was like, oh, so I'll just start doing comedy um, and I was going to do improv, but then I was like, oh, I don't have money. And, uh, <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah. Like, the thing that should be the least expensive because of yeah. no set, like no, no yeah. requirements, yeah. no costumes. And it's, yeah. the, it's so, it's, it's, it's as expensive as, as acting classes. It's crazy. It's so expensive. Like I was like, and then also the debate of which house to choose, like at the time, this was like 20... 15 at the time it felt like oh well ucb is this way and ground lanes is this way and i think combined with the money and my inability to make a choice i was like i'll just go to an open mic i was like i'll just do that like and i like watched a few stand i like watched a lot of tig and amy schumer and uh rest in peace louis ck uh and <laughs> to his career <laughs> but uh yeah and uh i just kind of watched them make a joke and then i wrote my first joke and i went to like uh I went to iOS, also rest in peace. Uh, I know, right? And <laughs> I, I did it there and the joke worked. I was like, this is what I'll do now. <laughs> iOS had one of my favorite open mics too. Um, they had some good ones. I don't know. I, I started just a few years ago, so it probably wasn't the same one. But yeah. I found that open mic audience to be one of the more supportive open mic audiences that I've ever encountered. Yeah, I I hadn't been when it closed down. I don't think I had been in a minute. But when it used to be like Mondays and Thursdays and you'd like line up and it would be like a a lot of people would show up. I I was like kind of new when I started, like new at comedy when I started going to open mics there. So like sometimes it felt supportive and sometimes I think I felt like, oh, that was harsh. But I was like probably just not doing a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was it was wild. It's hard doing like open mics, especially, right? Yeah. Open mics are are hard and you can get like lost in like the scene of it. I feel like like you're like, ooh, this joke crushes at every open mic. And then you do it at in front of an audience and you're like, this joke did not crush. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like comedians laugh at very specific like dark things that I think sometimes audiences are like why would you even bring that up you know (laughs) (laughs) I was actually like working before everything shut down I was making it part of my uh like mission to just like on my own go outside of LA and and do jokes and just like see what just trying to get in a habit more of like knowing more about outside LA audiences and stuff and figuring out what they like because it it is different it can be at least and then when you do, would do shows in like completely different states or other cities did you notice a difference in what people would respond to there yeah like one time I did a show in like Mesa Arizona and I was like the headliner I did air quotes just because there was like this fiasco where one of the audience members picked on someone in the lineup and then they got into a fight in the parking lot and so that comedian actually ended up 
going after me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Because of the fight? Because of the fight in the parking lot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that just kind of even like foreshadows the audience in general. Like I Oh my god. I was up there for 30 minutes. I swore I I blacked out multiple times. Like it was just like it was like they were polite. Half of them were polite and quiet and the other half were like drunk and loud. And so it was like I would say something. Sometimes the drunk and loud people would be supportive and laugh and then the quiet people were I uh, just remained quiet. And then it was like, how is this going? Like, I feel like I did ask at one point. I was like, is this going all right for you guys? Do you guys like this? Because it was like so the audience was like, so like so many different people were in it. And then yeah. also it's like Arizona. So I'm obviously left leaning and my comedy, you know, reveals that. And I one time said like a premise to a joke and someone yelled out liberal. And I was just like, yes, yep, good job. Like, you're, someone's listening, you know. <laughs> well, thank you for paying attention. Yeah, sir. exactly. <laughs> and, like, uh, it was just, like, it was just really wild. Uh, at one point, not during my set, at one point, the staff sang happy birthday to someone in the audience, like, during someone's set. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was wow. Just, like, it was just, like, wild. And then... Uh, Afterwards, audience members, because the drunk people were Trump supporters and they were like loud and stuff. And some like I had a handful of audience members come up and be like, we really liked you and we're really sorry about the those guys over there. Like they were embarrassed by the drunk people. The festivals I've done, they tend to like attract like a left leaning audience. So that's usually cool. That can be like a really sweet little surprise. Like in two, I went to the 208 festival in Idaho um, Boise, Idaho. And when I, I applied to it cause everyone said that they liked it. And then when I got in, I was like, wait, are we really all going to go to Idaho? Like, are we sure? <laughs> and then it was so fun. Like the audiences were like down. They were just like, let me show you how much I love you. Like they were just like, so excited to be there and see these comedians that they like brought in from everywhere. Do you really end cool. up getting like, uh, like followers and stuff after doing shows like that, like festivals or, Cause you're you're really you're pretty big on Twitter. I'll be honest, no. <laughs> um, I have gotten people to join me after seeing or follow me after seeing me live, but uh, no. I also wasn't great at like standing there after a show and like talking to people. That was really that's really hard mm. for me to like stand there after and look. People it is in hard. And be like, did you love me up there? Did you love that? You remember when I made love <laughs> to you? In front of all these people, did you you enjoy that? Um, I spent years writing that. Did you like it? Um, I wonder if I was better at that, if that would change. If I was better at, like, going and talking to people. Because I, like, do know road people who are really good at the road and have, like, a really decent following. So I'm like, yeah, those must be related, right? (laughs) Dude, but schmoozing, I think, is, like, exhausting, right? It's, like, it requires sort of a a mental willpower that I, you know, is very specific to very specific people. I feel like you almost have to pretend you didn't, yeah, just go pour your heart out on the stage. Like, you have to, like, just pretend they almost are, like, they came to your house and, like, say, thank you for, like, thank you. Oh, my God. Thanks so much for being here. Yes. You know, like, totally, yeah. like, a different character than you were just being 
on stage. Yeah, and then if you like, if you feel like you messed up in the show, like you definitely don't want to go back there. Like I remember seeing this, like yeah. seeing Tick Tick Boom, like a tour of Tick Tick Boom the musical, like years ago, and one of the like cast members forgot the words to one of the songs, like in the middle of singing, and like afterwards, me and my friends went back, like went to go say like hi to them, and he was just like in the car, door shut, like please don't right. talk to me, I'm so embarrassed, like you could see, like. No, yeah, that after the show in Mesa, Arizona, I remember I got off stage and I like almost like collapsed into a chair and just kind of like put my heads around me. And I was with my friend. He's like, come on, let's go say hello to the audience. I was like, no one touched me. No one talked to me. Okay, I don't. (laughs) I need to recuperate my soul. Like, I (laughs) I think eventually I had to get up and say hello to some people, but I was just like. I was like, no, 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 no. They they already had me. All right. I, we saw what they did to me up there. Like, <laughs> Do you have any jokes for like a conser- more conservative audience? Yeah. I, I mean, I just mostly talk about boys being mean to me. And they're like, woo. Yeah. They're like, yeah. I talk about me and Mark sometimes. I don't even think I'm that liberal leaning. I think sometimes I get in my head about that. Like sometimes I worry about it more than I should. And I wonder if I, if the whole experience would be better for me if I just was like, well, here we go. You know, instead of like being like, oh, I'm in Arizona. I'm in Idaho. Like these people probably won't like this instead of just like getting up and being like well let's see you know (laughs) (laughs) let's swing for the fences you know I mean I talk I'm Mexican my mom's Mexican and a lot of my stuff in the before was like about that and like about our family and our heritage and stuff like that so I think uh sometimes that uh that can I noticed that if some like in Arizona or California there's like Latinos that they've at least seen them you know so they're familiar with like what the joke and like the stuff I'm like setting up and then when I remember when I was in the midwest I started to like panic I was like well they even get these references and then um I don't know I shouldn't I don't think I should have worried about it so much you know just like try and make it fun yeah make make them come to you not you come to them yeah Yeah, exactly um I'm curious how you made the sort of like transition from just being an open micer like being you know uh, somebody who's trying to break into comedy like what did that transition from that to like actually doing comedy like being in performing at festivals what did that look like I think a big thing that helped me um out was actually Marcel Arguello had a show at the Hollywood Improv called Woman Crush Wednesday and it was weekly at the time and she was like she really wanted to like put up other women like she really wanted to like make that part of it that other women are discovered and so I went and I did like a five minute set on that show I just submitted a a tape to her and she was like very sweet to me and she she put me on her show and then from there um, a producer from put your hands together was um, so I I was booked from put your hands together from that show and then after having the credit of put your hands together I feel like that's how I was able to get into like festivals and stuff like it's hard it's hard because it's like they want you to I feel like for you like festival credits it's like those are cool credits but it's also like you almost have sometimes it feels like you have to have credits to even get into festivals and it's like but this this is a festival you know (laughs) like (laughs) like I'm not the headliner 
Like, do they know? Um, <laughs> like, I'm paying you to be in this festival, not the other way. Yeah, you're definitely, festivals, you're not paid to be there. Comics have to pay their own way. And some festivals are cool, like 10,000 Laughs. They got us a hotel room for, like, we had to share it. But all of us, 16, no, I'm kidding. Uh, me and Logan, I got to share, like, a hotel room with, like, Logan Gunselman. And it was, like, super fun and stuff. But um, other than that, yeah, you have to pay your own way. So it can be kind of maddening to realize like every little thing needs like a nod from another thing if that makes sense does it <laughs> yeah so what's what are your what are your goals what are you hoping to uh hoping to do with what do you want to do with your life <sighs> great great question i i mean i would like a goal that i had set before all of this was uh, I want I really wanted a late night tape like I wanted like to be on Lily Singh or just doing just doing some stand up <laughs> and I think I mostly wanted that to like prove to like my aunt and uncles be like see look at <laughs> they liked it okay um I really wanted that um but I think as I like keep figuring out more and more what I want to do I keep uh, seeing myself in like a daily show type of thing or like uh um, late night show. Um, I definitely would like to write on shows and stuff, but I keep having these like themes in my writing show up. I'm like, Oh, I can't escape it. You know, like I always tend to write about what's going on. Like, like, I feel like I've always been, I've had to, in one way or another, keep talking about race. Mm -hmm. Um, like it started in theater school like at Emerson I was like one of the very few brown people there I'm not even that brown so that really speaks volumes of that place but uh like I had to like make I had to I felt like I had to like answer for that a lot and I had I even had to like make a production where we like um where I put Hamlet on but it was like in the Mexican-American war and we had like all the Latinos in it and like other not even Latinos like if you were just like a non-white person we tried to like work you into the production and that really came from like people feeling very like oppressed there and then like getting into comedy and like writing that set about my family I feel like people wanted to like put that on their lineup in a way like not just me but the girl talking about that mm -hmm. so I feel like I keep ending up talking about that and sometimes it's like do I enjoy that or do I feel like I have to talk about it um, I guess it's a little both, mm -hmm. but, uh, I definitely see myself in kind of like, yeah, daily show type of thing. As a um, correspondent or a writer? Yeah. Yeah, both. A correspondent, I think would be you, really fun to like go. You'd and... be really great at that. Uh, I, I love your videos to post. Like you're like, you're, you're doing like TikTok now, right? Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. And, and just like your videos to like. Uh, I I really loved your videos to like get people out to like vote and stuff like thank you with, like oh it's so silly like you're like being so uh, like over the top and like this you know faux sexy I loved yeah. it yeah thank you <laughs> yeah thank you yeah we had a really good time yeah and that just started because like Alexis was like we should do something about the props and then I sent her that sketch and she was like oh yeah we should do this <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I'll start a project like that. I'm like, I should probably learn what this is about. And then like, <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I definitely learned what it was about. Hopefully, you know, everyone else did too. Um, so yeah, I definitely would like to, I think I'd like to see this um, 
I feel like this education I'm learning, especially about the immigration system and like mm-hmm. all the stuff that happens there with like the ICE agency and also just like the history of immigration is real. Like when if you were to sit down and like look at all of it, you're like, oh no, this is the same thing over and over again. Um, I'd like mm-hmm. to see that kind of come to fruition in like a a, a solid comedy project that both titillates and educates and makes people laugh gosh darn it um and i think that's something people really want right now you know i think that people are it it almost feels i think for the last few years it's felt frivolous a little frivolous to do comedy yeah relevant just like jokes the thing i thought of that was funny because there's so much going on and i think people are kind of hungry to feel like yeah is serving yeah and like uh, i like that Sometimes uh, I feel like maybe we could all enjoy a little frivolous comedy if we could all just chill for a second. Um, But yeah, I also think it's cool that people are able to like learn and like educate themselves on things that, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things we have to unpack and why not do it with comedy? Definitely. Oh, so much to unpack. Every day, it's like a new box arriving, and you're like, oh, didn't know there was yeah. something in this box. Let's see what it is. Yeah, and- you're like, I didn't order this. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, I better oh, figure just, out how it works. It just comes with it. It just comes with being alive. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're like, Every- everyone gets one. Some people get more. Oh, <laughs> that seems unfair. So do you have yeah. like a like, oh, like this is the ultimate, the ultimate dream is to like, you know, like some people's like, ah, to have my own sitcom that's about me and my life. Or is are you just like, I just want to like make a living doing this? Yeah. Uh, another great question. I, I feel like, ah. Uh, it's hard. I feel like I'm like, I just want to be helpful. But then but then I lay in bed at night. I'm like, that's not true. Don't sell yourself short. You want dreams, kid. You got dreams. <laughs> and so I'm stuck between that. I feel like I definitely want to be making. I, I feel like ultimately I want uh, to build myself my own platform and have uh, my own creative freedom. If I were to say, like, when I what I really think about, I would like that. Like, because sometimes I hear about people... Like, I hear Jon Stewart was really miserable doing The Daily Show and, like, uh, was not that fun to work with. And if anyone's a really big Jon Stewart stan, don't yell at me. That's what I've heard. I've heard that he wasn't uh, he wasn't that fun to work with and that he was pretty angry the whole time. And I can only imagine what watching that much Fox News yeah. would do to a person. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, that was so much of what that show focused on when he was the host. Yeah. But even... Um, I just think the challenge of being a good leader to a team is a challenge all by itself. Like having a good, being a good leader, like running, treating your staff well or finding a job where your leader is good is also a challenge all in itself. So I ultimately want to be more doing more comedy, making more stuff in this light and continuing to find like the team to, to build it with that. Um, is good to work with and, you know, makes good stuff. Do you feel like the work that you're doing with Hoo-Ha-Ha as their community manager is lending itself to that goal? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I've always wanted to be, like, making the stuff and also um, even be, you know, the producer and me, you know, allowing other works to be showcased and stuff. So that all speaks to that aspect of of the producer and me, like, making stuff happen and seeing you know seeing it 
the good of the community and not just like me. So yeah, hoo ha ha is like definitely like I feel like the one installment of like what I want to do. Uh, listeners, if you are a woman in comedy or just uh, uh, not a dude in comedy, uh, <laughs> rather like not a not a like. <laughs> Cis dude. Uh, cis dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, check out check out hoo ha ha if you haven't already. If you're interested in comedy, even if you're like I don't want to do comedy, but I love comedy. Check out hoo ha ha for like like every like there's so so many amazing comedians are highlighted all the time, and there's just like great content and opportunities out there that get posted, and it's just a great and an incredible resource. Um, and it all connects to your socials. So it's uh, it's a pretty, like, it's a really neat system. And I feel like there have been a lot of companies that have been trying to do this, like, trying to go that route. So I think it's really cool. I feel like hoo-ha-ha and, like, like the work that you are doing for hoo-ha-ha and the person who came before you did to, like, you know, you're doing great work. So uh, I Thank applaud you. you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you so much. That means so much. I'm glad that you guys feel it because we definitely work really hard to try and, you know, elevate you guys and, and make make it a resource, you know, and it's really awesome to work there. And it's awesome to kind of like think of ideas to help people along and stuff like that. And I don't know. I think the world is a better place for more content by women and underrepresented voices. Like when you... I think it I think it all helps more. Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. yeah. So do we. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> so uh Caddy, what advice for for where you are in, in your life right now as doing comedy and as a creator, what advice do you have to people uh who are either just starting out or, you know, are just on their journey? What advice do you have? I would say just start. Just just start. I feel like I've met comedians who are like, I'm thinking of doing comedy and they almost like want to sit down and talk about it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, just do it. Like write it. Like at the time I would say, go do an open mic, but perform it. Just start your TikTok account. Just just start doing it. You'll learn from doing. And also like find your community. I think if anything, I learned from, yeah, hoo-ha-ha, stand-up, even like growing on Twitter, I've learned that it's when you find your community that, that things start to like really open up. Like, yes, your work ethic and your talent helps, but like just like hanging around people, finding out where the good spot, like the good mics are or, you know, start a Twitter room and elevate each other's tweets. And all of a sudden you're gaining each other's friends as followers, you know. So I would say just start and start building your community. That's excellent advice. <laughs> Thank you. I always love hearing that. Just like find your people. Yeah. 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 I think it's, I think we had Gloria Calderon Kellett on a panel in uh, July and I, um, I was moderating the panel for people who don't know Gloria Calderon Kellett is uh, the creator of one day at a time on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, um, what advice would you give to people starting like who are new to comedy? How would you t- what would you advise them to do to find your community? And she like stopped for a minute to be like, this question is so important. And she was just like she kind of went on a, a, a bit of a rampage um, about uh, just like the idea that people think they need to when they start like even if they started writing or doing comedy for like two seconds, they have this need to like find the person they've always admired 
and like get their attention right away. And she was like, no, mm-hmm. just build your community because you're going to fail a lot. You're going to, you know, you're going to make things that don't work. You're going to do this. And you're going to want to do that in front of your community. You don't want to do that in front of like the all-star person, you know, like you want to build your army as you go. Yeah. That's excellent advice too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us. Um, This has been awesome. And it's just, I can't wait to see what you do from here. Yes. Thank you. Me too. What she said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I'm so glad I found out about your I, I didn't know about it, to be honest, before, but I went back and listened to the episodes, and it was really great. Thank you for doing this. This oh, is awesome. Oh, thanks for saying so. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks including again, Comedy Girl Crush. Out on we Twitter, love you. Kari Asad, and on Instagram and TikTok, where she's also very funny, at uh, Asad Kari Rocks. And if you liked what you heard today and would like to support us and other women in podcasting, please subscribe to our Patreon. Our Patreon is Period Podcast Network. That's right. We're part of the Period Podcast Network, a co-op of women in podcasting. Subscribe to all of our Instagrams and Twitters, including Comedy Girl Crush. We love you. Comedy Girl Crush.